Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Yeah. Zenko felt himself going hard, the throb and pulse of blood making him want to rock his hips and rub his dick against Sean's. Fuck! Sean's hands went to the worn belt buckle Zenko had worn since he was in buds, and the leather belt and the old uh, metal buckle he'd worn from Noble uh, during Hell Week. The metal tongue clicked and rattled, and Zenko uh, found himself holding his breath as Sean tugged and pulled. The leather tightened around his waist just before the pressure eased and the belt fell open and loose. Sean hadn't stopped licking and sucking at Zunko's nipples as he flicked his thumb over one still wet from his mouth. Claire. Neil. I hate to interrupt, but we have to do a podcast. (gasps) A podcast? A podcast. Well, all right, all right. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. Also, all the spoilers. Every single spoiler. You will know the beginning, the middle, the end. You'll know who fucked who, who should have fucked who, and who is fucking, fucking awful. <laughs> I like that as a tagline for us. It's too long, but I still like it. <laughs> oh. Claire, you picked books for us. What did we read today? I did pick books for us. I picked um, The Lieutenant's Online Love, American Heroes, book 2621 by Caro Carson. What? <laughs> and Zenko, MM Military Suspense, Tags of Honor, book one by Annabella Stone. And now, you know, and I have to say, like, it's just the Amazon way of putting things at Heroes Book 2621. I'm sure it's not that. It's just like that's the number that they've decided this American Heroes. It's, I guess, it's like. You know, it's just a serial number that, for some reason, has gotten included. Like, that's not anywhere, anywhere on the book cover. It's just, like, so funny. Amazon's like, and we have to tell you this number! <laughs> yeah, because that's helpful to people to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Anyway, so what was the theme today? Oh, the military. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Splendid. Yeah. Black. We've been doing professions. I felt like we needed to do um, something about our uh, the heroes who protect these mighty shores. The and they t- do. Like, I, I think I said that a little sarcastically, but, like, the military is, uh, you know, an important institution. But, like, these books don't really want you to know that. <laughs> don't honor that institution at all. <laughs> Even if you dislike the institution. Oh, these books aren't helpful. <laughs> Claire, we can't talk about it yet. We have to talk about what's gotten us hot and bothered first. Hot and bothered? Well, yes. then, Neil, you go mm-hmm. first. What has got you hot and bothered? Okay. Um. So, tiniest of tiny silver linings during this we call the pandemic. Um, canned cocktails in the park with friends. <laughs> 
go to the store, you pick up a couple cans of cocktails, and they're good now. They make good things in cans that aren't just beer and cider. And you go to the park, and you drink a couple cans of cocktail with some friends in the park. It's it's great. I love it. I found a brand that I enjoy. They have different types of cocktails. They're all delicious. I just pick and choose whichever ones I want, and I um, get drunk in the park like a miscreant. Um, that does sound delightful. Yeah. Super I think fun. I, I've always been a, like, oh, it's a nice day out. Let's go have a picnic, bring a bottle of wine, whatever, in the park. But now it's just like, well, there's nothing else to do. Let's just get buzzed in the park at 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Why the hell not, right? <laughs> what about you, Claire? Uh. What's got you hot and bothered? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I don't um even know. Um Well, I watched I I just I don't know. I feel like I've just been sort of drifting these last couple weeks. Um but I will say as we're coming towards the middle of this crisis. <laughs> mm-hmm. like I cannot think it's the end or I cannot see there's a light. I can see the end of the tunnel, but it's still very fucking far away, and I don't want to kid myself about that. Um, I'm trying harder to, like, look at things that I've, like, movies that I've meant to watch that have been on my, like, must-watch list, but that I've put off in favor of, like, comfort things I've already seen a billion times. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this weekend I watched um, Annihilation, followed Mm -hmm. by The Lighthouse. Uh, both of these movies were movies I've intended to watch for a long time and mm-hmm. that I thought would be good, and they were good. And I did theme them on purpose. Both of them features one of their major set pieces, A Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they were both exceptionally weird movies. Yep. It was great. And honestly, it was refreshing. And it reminded me, like, oh, why I like good entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I've... I enjoy bad entertainment, but it's mm-hmm. also lovely to remember why I like good entertainment. Yeah. I've not seen Annihilation, but I have read the book series, and I very much recommend them. They are very good. Very, very good. Very enjoyable. And I also follow the author on Twitter. He is one of the best follows because uh, he loves his cat very much and is constantly (laughs) posting about his cat. He loves his wife very much and posting about his wife. And they have cute little back and forths on Twitter all the time that are adorable. And he lives in Florida on this, like, on his own land, and he's constantly, like, ripping out non-native species and, like, telling us what's non-native and telling us why it's bad and getting angry about it in the best way possible. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) This ficus doesn't belong here. (sighs) Yeah, pretty much. Great. Yeah. Don't even get him started on air potatoes. Whatever those are, I haven't even bothered to look. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. It's potatoes not Potatoes are in the ground, not in the air. Unknown. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. So anyway, that is what's got me hot and bothered. Good movies. Good Great. movies while I drift through space. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, should we talk about some books? Oh, and whether yes. or not this was good entertainment for us. Let's talk about these books. Zenko, MM Military Suspense, Tags of Honor, Book One, by Annabella Stone. Some rules are meant to be broken. 
Will breaking the ones that aren't cost them everything? Finding an American civilian in a cave in Syria was not part of his mission brief. Zenko Marx, former Navy SEAL and member of the JSOC task force, has no idea who this mysterious man is, but he knows one thing for sure. He's never left a man behind, and he's not about to start now, particularly one who looks at him with those stunning eyes. Sean Jacobson thought his number was up. Getting captured while undercover was never supposed to happen, but getting rescued was statistically an impossibility, especially when he technically doesn't exist on paper. The last thing he expected was a knight in shining Kevlar to ride to save the day. Zenko is like no one he's ever met before. While Sean knows he should keep his distance, he can't help but want the man who rescued him from hell. Can covert agents from two of the United States' most secret teams allow their hearts to rule, or will a joint mission between the teams cost them everything, their brothers, and worst of all, each other? That's what that book says it was about. Uh-huh. Neil. Neil. Yeah. Honest to God, I do not know what this book was about. I read it. I read. I read parts of it over and over and over again. I. 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 I focused my eyes on much of this book and tried to divine meaning from it, and I could not. Neil, please tell me what was this book about? <laughs> uh, so, so spoilers for everyone. The line "Night and Shining." Kevlar is the best thing about this book. It's all downhill <laughs> from there. Okay. <clears throat> so we open on Zenko, who's part of the Red Squadron, which is one of the most elite teams on the military to do elite classified military things. Um, and they're in Syria, I guess. They never said Syria in the book. I think they said it once in this really horrific, like, stupid way. Like, he's like, they're, they go up to, like, this, like, little shed or something, this mm -hmm. building that has a lock on it, and they're like, oh, a combo lock? Where could they get something like this in Syria? And I'm like, oh, okay. um, one, Syria's, like, um, a place that has stores. I don't know, like... <laughs> To, it's not like a combo lock is actually all that hard to find know, anywhere right? in the world. Also, like, exactly where, like, I'm sorry, why do you think it would be hard to get a combo lock in Syria? <laughs> because of the xenophobia, Claire. Yes, and that's how we knew we were in Syria. We'll get into it. It's just funny because they talked about Turkey so much, they talked about Croatia so much, they talked about Iraq so much, but then... For the first third of the book, they said Syria once, and yeah. obviously I forgot that, and yeah. that's where they were. Okay, so Zinko and his team are out doing some kind of mission, and they, in, in the process of doing this mission, they come across a cave, and they realize that there's a prisoner inside. They rescue said prisoner, who basically is like, oh yeah, I'm a military contractor... And I was kidnapped on a transport run, and I've been in this cave. It's our, it's our guy, Sean. And then from there, 
Uh, so, <laughs> I, for myself, in my notes, I write down, like, the names of the main characters, just so I can, I have them to remember. So, for this book, I have Zenko, Sean, and then in all capital letters, too many other fucking people. <laughs> we meet all of Zenko's team, we meet all of Sean's team, and then there are more people this book has too many people. They're all reading... related, by the way. They're yeah. all cousins yeah. or brothers or adopted cousins. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And like, I, I know that you, Claire, hate when there are too many people. I'm, I'm okay with a lot of people. But even I was just like, this is too many fucking people. What is happening? And it would, it did the thing where like it would, we were in someone's mind and it would like mention these other characters in the way that makes sense for someone like, oh yeah, I just need to say their names and I know what I'm thinking. And great, I appreciate that realism. But when that's the first time you're saying those people's names, you need to tell us, the reader, who the fuck those people are. Sean was like, oh yeah, it was just like when. You know, Bill had Griff and Robert at his house in Florida. I'm like, who the fuck are Bob, Griff, and Robert? You haven't said who any of these people are. Anyway, so Sean is not a military contractor. He's actually part of a separate uh, covert military team called the Ghosts. And he's real embarrassed about being kidnapped and that somebody else had to rescue him. He also has this concern that the rest of his team will track him down and basically kill anyone they have to to, like, rescue him. So when he gets taken back to Zenko's team's base, he's like, oh, I need to get in touch with them, with my team, so they know that I'm safe and, like, know that they don't have to keep murdering people. Um, and then there's one part where he's like, I don't see any computers in this room. And then he just forgets about contacting his team ever again until they show up later. And it's just, so I was, he, he makes the comment. He's like, there are no computers, not even a fucking Xbox connected to the internet. I was like, oh, that's weird. Do they not have computers at this base? The next chapter, it's talking about Max, the tech guy, who's just like, oh, yeah, I'm controlling drones. I'm looking at satellite images. Here I have all these, like, projections, like, digital projections on the wall so people can... I'm like, so they have fucking computers. What is happening? And Sean just, like, forgets to, that he needs to, like, keep his team from murdering people to find him. Also, so, okay. So the head of Zenko's team is named Noble. I don't know how old this man is. I had an assumption, and then they said something. I'm like, oh, are Noble and Zenko the same age? I don't understand. Anyway, there's a point where Noble is like, oh, man, Zenko's going to get hung up on this dude, and he's going to want him to stay at the base with us, so then I'm going to have to put up with this random guy at this base. And I'm like, oh, so you just, like, let people's rando strange hookups hang out at your super-secret military base? What? <laughs> what? I mean, and not only that, so they've rescued a contractor. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, and the contractor's first words out of his mouth are, oh, so when I was taking showers uh, at the other base I was located at, I heard these two guys come in and they were saying that they were going to commit a terrorist act. Mm -hmm. And Noble's like, I got to research who this dude is to see if he was actually taken off the transport. 
so that I can figure out who he is. Fair enough, but I'm also like, so we're going to track down the, are, are we going to report in that we even have a guy? Like, are no. we going to call Why would you do that, Claire? the Department of Defense and say we've rescued a civilian? Like, if he's a contractor, are we going to ask what company he's contracted with so we can call the company and be just like, yo, we got your guy. Like, any of that. We're not doing any of that. No, that's, none of that. Absolutely none of none that's that. going to happen. But then, uh, Sean says something in a language that Noble doesn't recognize. So because of that, he has to not be a civilian because there's no way that a civilian would speak a language that he doesn't recognize. The leaps in logic that take place in this book are absolutely insane. This is one of them. Okay, granted, yes, Sean speaks Irish. That is not a common language. And I'm sure if a lot of people heard it, they definitely would not recognize it. Unlike, I feel like a lot of people could hear Spanish or French and recognize that it is Spanish or French. So yeah, Irish sounds weird. I get that. But for him to be like, oh, there's something up with this guy because he speaks a language I don't know. And civilians don't speak languages I don't know. And it's just <laughs> like, what? So then the whole time, Sean is trying to like keep everyone from finding out that he's actually an operative. Also, sorry, real quick tangent. The book kept calling them operators, and I think they meant operative. I'm also fairly certain that this author is not from America, which I'm not saying that non-Americans can't write about the American military. It just, like, threw me. I'm like, why? Why are you? Because they talk about a torch and somebody eating popcorn and jellies. And I'm like, you're not American. Stop it. Anyway. Um, so Sean's trying to keep everyone from knowing that he's actually... Uh, a member of the ghost team because I guess it's even super duper classified that even though he doesn't know what team he's staying with, he knows that he's more classified than they are. But he's very bad at that. He's very bad at not outing himself. He's terrible at it. He slips up quite a bit for someone who's been trained by the military to keep secrets. Uh, yeah, I mean, and Hey, continuing on to when he is finally, like, you know, like, his ghost team finally catches up with him, and, and like, they have to go through other stuff first, and then finally, like, his, you know, guy, instead of doing a debrief, instead of being like, okay, so you were kidnapped, um, please tell us how that happened and give us all the information, it's just like this... Every single, this and every single moment that where two men have to talk to each other is immediately accusatory. Screaming. Imme this whole book is people screaming at each other. I mean, it's just like as if I came on to this podcast this morning and was like, Neil, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? And you're like, Claire, what the fuck is wrong with you? I got on this call on time. And I'm like, Neil, you were fucking on time. And I don't expect you to be on time. You're usually two minutes late. What the fuck is going on with you? I I know there's something happening. Jeez, you're always up my ass. And it's like, that is literally the level of every single interaction in this, including the moment where this guy hooks back up with his squad. <laughs> I was just so fucking excited every time they were on a mission because it meant that they had to whisper. <laughs> I was like, thank fucking, like I, could like, I could hear the blessed silence of them whispering. It was amazing. Ugh. 
also, it just like, uh, okay. So then Sean and Zago decide to start having sex because plot. Like just one chapter, all of a sudden they're gonna oh, fuck each other. No, this this book contains. I guess it contains. Who can say why is quite possibly the funniest trope that I love usually, but didn't understand why it was here. Which is that there's not enough beds tropes, <laughs> where uh oh. We've only got five beds, but now there's six of us. I mm -hmm. guess we have to share. Except we never talked about that. It was just very suddenly, Sean, who is healing from terrible wounds, is in Zanko's bed, and Zanko just cuddles up to him. Yeah. <laughs> and like, even match. though their base <laughs> is in like a half-bombed-out building, he has his own bedroom? Yeah, and it's a bedroom-bedroom. Like, um... And, and also, like, it wasn't until, like, later, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, when Noble asks, like, wow, those two guys are really connected to each other. Oh, bunking up together didn't tell you that? Them waking up at the same time looking hairy didn't tell you that? Like, there wasn't a moment in there where you thought, hmm... I wonder. Like, nope, now. Now I and know. We find out later that he is also in a gay relationship with someone on the team, and he didn't see the signs. They are all in gay relationships. They, all of them. Like, I'm sorry, both of these teams are made up of gay men. It's like they're like, yeah. the yep. U.S. military was like, you guys have to go on into the closet, but you're very good at what you do, so we're also going to have you go militarily into the closet by doing covert spy stuff. You're yeah. the best. <laughs> uh, two of the people on Sean's team are, two of the men on Sean's team are bi, because if you'll remember when they meet the team, Zenko has the thought, oh, I remember the head of the team and that other guy on the team rescued that reporter a couple years ago. So the fact that those two men are on the same team must mean that they're in a thruple with that reporter. That has to be what that means. And do you know what pisses me off the most, Claire? That was true. <laughs> he makes the, the, this book makes these insane leaps in logic that are always true. And I, it, it angered me so much. Uh. So another leap in logic is Sean was like, oh, yeah, I heard about this terrorist, potential terrorist attack that will be undertaken by people in the military working with ISIS against America. And he reported it to two, two of his commanders, two of his supervisors. I don't know. Um, he reported it. And then... Shortly after that, he was on a transport run, and he and whomever else stopped at a cafe to take a break, and then he was abducted. So that's how he knows that it was those two that those two people are in on it as well. And but we are given absolutely no um, insight into like did did he see Americans take him, or like is he just assuming that because he told someone some information and then he's also in an active war zone that he was captured by enemy forces and those two things are related. How are those two things related, Claire? I don't I don't know, especially since he's undercover as a contractor. And contractors I mean this is it's very sad to say contractors are targeted for kidnappings all the time. 
-hmm. So it's not unusual to be kidnapped as a contractor. And, but we also don't get into what Sean's actual job was supposed to be. He was undercover as a contractor in the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. So was he supposed to be spying on the military? Was he supposed to be spying on the contractors? Was, like, like what was his job as an undercover agent? I absolutely do not know. And then, Neil... Um, uh-huh. I tried to find this information out. Uh-huh. Um, was it the American military? <laughs> Did we catch those guys? <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. good. There was a big old fight scene at the end, and I'm like, okay, stuff is going down. Yes. Okay. What is happening? <laughs> we'll get. We'll we'll do that. But first, we have to talk about Allie and her kid. Oh, why? Who are they? They're the next book, Claire. I know! And I hate it so much! Okay, so... They know about this terrorist thing. They meet up with... uh, Sean's team has to save uh, Zenko's team because at one point their base gets compromised. So they all meet up at a safe house in Croatia. Also... As one would kind of hope from a military book, there are so many helicopters in this book. (laughs) So many helicopters. Anyway. I also, uh, by the way, when you are secretly deploying somewhere, and even the American military, most of them don't know who you are, where the fuck are these helicopters coming from? Who are they asking for helicopters from? How how are they getting them? Why is there not follow-up on this? Also, I feel like helicopters are not stealthy in any way, shape, or form. No. They're the opposite of that. Yeah, you know when they're coming. Anyway. So they, they're in Croatia. And then... Okay. And then... So, Noble and their... And... Uh, okay, now. Sean's team's helicopter pilot, Allison, or Allie... And Zenko's commander, Noble, are cousins? Okay. So then, Allie makes a comment that her daughter is going to go stay with her ex, the daughter's father's family. And that guy's mom and Noble's mom are friends. And Noble talked to his mom, and his mom didn't say anything about the kid showing up. So that's how they knew that something was wrong. Listeners, if that sounds convoluted... It is. I summarized it for you in a way that made more sense. I read that paragraph so many times. Right. And I tried to understand, and then both teams, because at this time both teams were together, mm-hmm. were like, "We have to solve this problem." I'm we like, have to do this. You're we in have to Croatia go to Tennessee or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so it sounded like that's where the book was going to go. And part of me was like, if I'm reading a book about special forces in the military, like I don't want to hear about them finding some kid in Tennessee. That's what like a cop book is for i want to see them do special operative things but then so they do this and then they're all gonna go but then noble gets an order to go kill the guy that kidnapped um 
Sean, they know this somehow. Also, there's a point where, okay, there's a point where Sean is at the first base and basically is like, I'm bored, so I'm going to go knock on the door of this closed-door meeting of a highly classified military team just to, like, be like, hey, guys, I'm bored. But then when they open the door, the guy that kidnapped him or the guy that he reported the terrorist act to is on the screen. And he's like, why is that guy on the screen? And it's like, okay, I'm assuming we, we've connected that this guy has to do with the kidnapping. But it's like, oh, this guy is working with ISIS to kidnap U.S. military contractors. And we're surprised that the military is like, no, you got to go kill this guy. Like, that's... Yeah. Ah, anyway, well, you didn't. You didn't. You also. You you kind of. You also didn't talk about the other connection, which is Noble, who is the head of the Red Squadron, mm-hmm. and then whatever his name is, who's the head of the Ghost Squadron, uh-huh. are adopted brothers. Fuck, really? Yes. So like, fuck, he's, because like Noble's father took in that guy, and uh-huh. so they're 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 brothers. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Okay. Um, So, they're all going to go save this kid in Tennessee, but then Nobles, like, gets orders that they have to go kill the first guy, like, the main problem of the book. So, we had, like, so much of this book dedicated to Allie needing to go save her kid that I thought that's what was going to happen, but no, that's just set up for the next book. I... Uh, anyway, th- we've we've gone on far too long about this, so I'm just going to skip to, they find out where the guy is, he's on a compound, so Zenko and Sean, Sean gets lent to Red Squadron for some reason, even though it's a water mission and he hates swimming, but they're like, oh no, Sean needs to go with that team, whatever, um... Zinko screams about getting to keep him and Sean's screaming, you don't get to keep me, I'm a person. It's, I mean, like, fuck it all. Anyway, so they go to this compound. They're just able to get in because somebody has sabotaged Sean's uh, breathing apparatus, underwater breathing apparatus, his scuba gear. And it turns out that the compound was empty. And it becomes bum, very bum, bum. obvious that, that whoever was, that this disgraced, commander or whatever who's working with isis was tipped off that they were going to be there so we know that there's a mole somewhere in this team and there's a big shootout um i have to say i enjoy, i i kind of enjoyed the action sequences okay. i feel like the action sequences were were pretty well done um when they're driving that old russian truck and like through the desert just like trying to get away and everyone's shooting at them i was like okay i can like i can visualize this i can see this being exciting when you're watching it as a movie okay 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 so then they um they're in the final standoff. They know that they need an, an extraction, so they're these mystery helicopters. One's on its way. And Zenko gets shot in the neck. And then Sean's like, oh, well, it's serious now. So then he just kills the bad guy. Right. Because uh, yeah. he could have just done that all along, I guess. I don't know. I was so supposed kills- to. It was actually, he was his mission. He was, yeah, he was supposed to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so he kills the bad guy. Um, and then he's like basically only able to fit a pinky into like Zenko's armor to try and keep pressure on the wound 
two of the Red Squadron guys show up. All of this felt kind of good, too. Like, like they weren't able to just, like, toss him into the helicopter and figure it out. Like, they had to talk through the logistics of, okay, we have to move him, but you have to keep the pressure on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, okay. And then they get to the to the hospital, and this orderly shows up, and he's like, no, it's fine. Just, like, take him with me. And they're like, that's not right. And then he turns out to be a an enemy agent of some kind. Anyway. Because, of course, he was. So then... And then uh, Sean also got injured, obviously not as gravely, but he wakes up in the hospital and his uh, brother, dad, cousin, some <laughs> rando, some absolute rando is there. Um, and then the two guys from Red Squadron. Oh, also, it just happens that Sean has O negative blood. So he's able to like, they do a transfusion in the helicopter. It sounds brutal, which I'm sure it absolutely is. So then the two guys from Red Squadron bust into his hospital room with a wheelchair and they're like, he's coding. We need to go give him more of your blood. So they just do that. And everyone in the hospital is like, no, don't stop. Okay, it's fine. I, I don't know. Also, this is back in Syria, Iraq. This is somewhere in the Middle East. And these American troops are just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, so then... He doesn't get there in time. They get blocked. Out. I don't remember exactly, but there's a point where Sean goes into the waiting room and he sees a doctor talking to Noble and Noble starts crying. And then reading this, I was like, holy shit, is Zenko dead? I know. Holy I shit. read that too. And holy it was like, shit. And Noble was like hitting the wall with his fist and like crying. And Sean's yeah. like, if you had told me a week ago that I would see this man cry... I wouldn't have believed you. And I thought, did you know this man a week ago? How much time has passed? No, no. <laughs> um, maybe exactly one week. But yeah, it's like, holy shit, Zenko's dead. And then there's an epilogue. It turns out that he wasn't dead. And they're together. But then, why was Noble crying? What was that about? What about the mole? That plot line got dropped completely. I know. I, I kept, I went back and I was like, okay, the mole, who's the mole? Like, it shouldn't, th wouldn't that be important? Wouldn't they all look around at each other and go, which one of you did this? And we're not, we're not gonna, we're never gonna. No, no. Zinko lives. Noble was crying for some other reason that we don't know what it is. And then Zinko and, and Sean are just like playing house. Like, have they been discharged? Did they find out the mole? Did any of this matter? No, anyway, none of it mattered. That's that book. Oh my god, and it was... Yeah, that was that Oh, book. sorry, <laughs> one more thing. There was this really weird disconnect between the characters and their own bodies and thoughts. Like, the narrative was like, oh, he felt the smile moving across his face. And I'm like, what? And like... Part of me is like, maybe that was intentional. Because, I mean, like, in Remains of the Day, it's a very important moment when our first-person narrator purposefully doesn't tell us that he's crying, and it's another character who points it out to him. And, like, that is thematic to the book. Whereas in this, it's just like, oh, yeah, he felt the smile move across his face. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? But then there's another part was like, oh yeah, he was sure the sarcastic asshole in his head was saying this and this. And I'm like, wouldn't the sarcastic asshole in your head just say it? It's a person in your head. They just say things. That's how that works. Yeah, I, there was, there was also like a big problem between like when we were, like who, like who was in charge of the narrative when? Oh, uh. 
God, there was kind of an interesting moment where it switched to Noble early on in the book at first. Okay. And I was like, oh, so we're not just going to switch between our two main characters. We're going to hear from everybody, mm-hmm. which is not true. Mm-hmm. We only heard from those three men. Mm-hmm. So, but then once all three men were established as people we were following... And again, who knows why we were following Noble? It was super interesting. I was mm-hmm. interested every time we saw this outside perspective of the relationship, mm-hmm. um, even though it was dumb as fuck. But like, I was interested. <laughs> it was all about Zenko wanting to keep Sean, so that means that he's just going to keep him. Oh, oh yeah. There was even a moment like, I think Noble says you claimed him. That means he's part of our family. It was like, really? What if it was just some prostitute? We're good. I'm fucking this guy so he gets to stay on our classified military base now. No problem. There's another part too where Zenko's like say or like thinking about Sean. He's like, oh, I get to keep him. I'm never going to let him leave. And I was like, oh, so you rescued him from imprisonment and you think it's a good idea to just keep him somewhere. That's smart. There's another part too where uh, Sean understandably is like rattled from his experience uh, being imprisoned in the cave where he was starved and tortured. And there's a part where they start fucking and he says to Zenko, like, fuck me until I forget everything but you. And I wrote down, I'm like, that is not a good way to handle your PTSD, my friend. <laughs> That's just going to make it worse. I'm pretty sure I laughed out loud when I got to that moment and I turned to my husband and I was, and I said, fuck the PTSD right out of me. <laughs> Magic penis! Indeed. So, once the three characters were established that we were following... No, 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 it's okay. Once once we established those three characters, we just jumped between their perspectives whenever the book felt like it. Mm -hmm. And the book didn't feel like... Now all three characters also knew all the information that any of the other two characters knew. So they all knew each other's names. There was no moment where, even though uh, Sean had just been brought to the base, and there's no way he could know everybody's names because they were all coded, he knew everyone's names. Yeah. And it was no introductions or anything. That was really awkward. But it also meant later we had to play the pronoun game. Where it's like, who's the he? Who's the he? Who's the he? Who knew? And also, that was a problem concerning your body versus mind issue, because sometimes the he was himself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the he was a he outside of himself. But who the fuck knows who that he was? We were always, it was, he came into his room. Did he? Who? What? <laughs> who? <laughs> I... And, and I'd have to read it several more times just to kind of, okay, where are we in space? Whose head are we supposed to be in? It was very, which, which was difficult. The first two chapters, or the first chapter, I actually kind of enjoyed. And when we rescued Sean and we got him off, I was like, oh, this is, I got him out of the cave and he's in danger. And then... Zenka was like, this guy's hot. It was like, I want to kiss his wounds, make it better. I'm like, no! Why are we already doing this? Please! No! This is, one, gross as fuck, inappropriate. I am not enjoying this. I don't, I've, I'm all for love at first sight. 
-hmm. and I'm all for attraction at first sight. But I think as a professional, there's a moment where you're able to put those aside and do mm -hmm. your fucking job. Also, it's one thing to be like, oh, they have a couple bruises. I want to, like, tenderly kiss the bruises. I'm like, okay, that's a bit odd, but, like, I kind of get it. He had, like, open lacerations on his back from being whipped. His back was literally shredded. And the bits of his shirt were inside the wounds. And Zenko wanted to kiss it and make it better. Um, and the funny part was, Zenko was also really pissed off at... at you know, his noble. He was like, we have to get him health care. We have to get him, like, fixed, and you're just asking him fucking questions. He's Because every interaction is an angry one. Mm -hmm. But that's the last time we talk about Sean needing any sort of medical care. Like, there is no more talk after that. Yeah, Zanko specifically about says that Sean needs stitches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, like... Didn't want to. He was. Sean was asleep, sleeping on his stomach, and Zenko was like dressing the wounds. And he's like, "Oh, I don't want to give him stitches right now because that might wake him up." And it's like, "What?" So then his his solution to that is he puts on like topical creams, climbs into bed, and pulls the pulls the covers on the both of them. I'm like, "No, that would hurt very, very much." Uh, we're done, right? Please. We're done. We're done. Okay. With this thank thing. you. <laughs> The Lieutenant's Online Love, American Heroes, Book 2621, by Caro Carson. What happens when your internet crush, dot dot dot, shows up in real life? First Lieutenant Thane Carter has experienced great success as the senior platoon leader of a military police company at Fort Hood, but TBH, his love life stinks. Thane wishes his maddening and off-limits new co-worker, Lieutenant Chloe Michaels, could be more like his online friend, Ballerina Baby. It's complicated, alright? Especially when Thane learns that his workplace nemesis and his internet crush are one and the same. <gasps> Claire. Yeah. That's what that book says. Or that's I mean, what it says the book is about. Well, so short. So short. So <laughs> short and very to the point. I appreciate that. Yeah, and now you also know all the names of the characters we uh, need to care about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the only ones that really get real names. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Also, if this sounds familiar to anyone, yeah, it's, it's you've got mail on a military base. And it's not just a little bit of you've got mail on a military base. It is you've got mail on a military base. Yeah. Um, it is... Uh, okay. I think I want to talk very briefly about two people who are near and dear and close to all of our hearts. And that mm -hmm. is um, American Gems, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And I also want to talk about very briefly... Uh, Nora Ephron, who is also an important voice in the romantic, like, writing and comedy community. This is all very important. Why am I talking about this? Because Nora Ephron, Tom Hanks, and Meg Ryan were in, of course, You've Got Mail. Which is a horrible movie. It is... The only reason it's good is because we have, for ages, wanted to see Tom Hanks and Reg Meg Ryan smash faces. Like, All the time. Yes. You two need to get together. You are two people 
who are whose acting styles are emotional vulnerability. That is the mm-hmm. only thing that saves that saves most of the movies that they are in. To be completely <laughs> honest, <laughs> you could read every fucking emotion on their faces. Their eyes water and well. They're 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 you know everything about them says. I'm giving you everything. And American audience is like, fuck yes, thank you. And now smash faces with each other. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how we reward people for being good people. So it kind of makes you forget that Sleepless in Seattle is a movie about a woman stalking a man she doesn't know. And that they don't actually meet until the end of the movie. And it makes you forget that You've Got Mail is a movie about a man stalking a woman (laughs) until he makes it up to her at the end by giving her a job. (laughs) No, until he tricks her into loving him. Right. And (laughs) if it were any two other actors in either of these movies we they they would have gotten the derision that they deserved but they're just so full of lovely music and it's tom hanks and meg ryan and we just want to see them smash faces <laughs> so the thing is with the lieutenant's online love where we have the you've got male scenario is that unfortunately um, these two people do not wear their emotions on their faces, and we don't want to see them smash their faces together either. Mm. There is at no point where I think to myself, you know who'd be good for each other? Aiden <laughs> <laughs> Carter and Chloe Michaels. <laughs> at no point in this book do I think to myself, I want them to get together. As much as I hated the book, uh, Zenko. I, I mean, sure, these two guys, this is a non-real world where these two military guys saved each other and they're hot for each other right away and they cuddle. And I'm like, fuck it, yeah, sure, get together. <laughs> no, might as well. They can scream sex at each other and it'll be great. Um, in The Lieutenant's Online Love, I just wanted the best for Chloe Michaels <gasps> and she will not get it. No. She will not get it her entire life. Because, unfortunately, she is stuck with Thane Carter now. He is a monster. He's a monster person. He is garbage. Walking garbage. So I just wanted everybody to know that. Like, if you have special feelings for the movie um, You've Got Mail, I totally understand. I totally get it. Because Meg Ryan is so cute. And Tom Hanks is adorable. That... This book shows you why that whole concept was bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So, in this, there are two lieutenants who have been um, on an app that they signed up for to give them writing buddies. These are just pen pals. Whatever the app is, it's like, hey, do you want a pen pal? We will hook you up with someone who's perfect for you. Uh, There's no pictures on this app that doesn't exist. There's just typing. Good luck. And (laughs) um, these two have a long typing buddy-buddy thing. They enjoy talking to each other over this app. They don't know each other's real names. They only know uh, that one is Drummer 
uh, different that he, drummer. Different drummer because he marches to a different drummer. That that that's never actually explained. Never actually explained, but that's like, what, what and then and then ballerina <laughs> baby. Uh, Can we uh, talk uh, about how a grown ass woman in the military picked her username as ballerina baby? Like what? Also, there's some weird infantilization going on. Like, okay, so she's just out of West Point. I get that. But then her mom sends her all of her childhood bedroom furniture for her new apartment. Uh So she's, like, in her childhood bed in her first grown-up apartment. And I'm like, that... I don't know what about that makes me feel so gross. Maybe it's because she's sexualized through this whole book. But, like, you're, you're on... A military base in Texas. Surely the world's largest Walmart is just down the road and you can buy new furniture. Yes, this is a fact. Ugh. And, and like, why, why? Especially, especially, like, her whole thing is she knows that she's going to have to deal with sexism. She knows that. And we see it happen. And we see her stand up for herself all the time. In a way that's very satisfying to read. She calls Thane Carter out on his fucking bullshit all the goddamn time. And mm-hmm. I was eating it up because he deserved mm-hmm. it. Yep. So why is a woman... Okay, and I understand too, there's this thing where she's like, you know, like, the military doesn't allow me to be as feminine as I want to be sometimes. And I want to have that option and blah, blah, blah. And so I get the ballerina part. Cause also she, she enjoys the ballet. I don't know if she ever was a ballerina. I don't know if she ever did do ballet. It doesn't tell us, but she enjoys ballet. And to her, that's like the epitome of sort of the more feminine cultural aspects of her life that she has to put on the shelf when she's at work. I totally get that. I completely understand that. And I thought it was interesting to read. Why baby? Why you want, are you infantilizing yourself this way? Do you way? want the really disappointing answer? Ugh, why? Because there is an answer. What is it? It's because Meg Ryan's screen name in You've Got Mail is Shop Girl. I hate it. I hate it. I quit. <laughs> I quit. I quit. And again, like... We saw You've Got Mail as an innocuous sort of, like, lovely little romance that was dumb. But you've pointed out something very specific and important in that Ballerina Baby is a name that infantilizes her and already makes her, because of our society, less than. Mm-hmm. And we don't see, we didn't see that in, possibly didn't see that in You've Got Mail because it's Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks! But already the seeds of somebody being less than another person, of being infantilized, of being smaller than, is already set up in the thing that our author is copying. Mm -hmm. And without any sort of um, knowledge of why or understanding of how that could be bad, just took her favorite thing and made it this character's and it doesn't apply to this character. This yeah. character wouldn't be like that. This character isn't that. Another thing, too, like, I, f- I f- okay, so we all know how I, I hate books where the female characters have no self-esteem. And, again, everything about her sort of, I don't want to say an identity crisis, but her navigating, like, 
wanting to embrace her more feminine side, but also knowing that there is a, because of her job, there's a time and place for her. And like, that was interesting. And also like, she's in a new place. She doesn't know anyone. I completely understand that. This is her first time, like, you know, she's been at West Point. So like dating has been the last thing on her mind. So now suddenly it's like, oh, I, this thing that I've been training for, for four years is happening. And now I'm still responsible for like, just conducting myself as an adult. And, and I'm unsure about how to do that, and I'm finding it difficult. I love all of that. That's great. I get it. The very first interaction that we see them having online, and this is how the book even starts, is she messages him, I was craving tater tots today. And then her knee-jerk reaction to that is like, oh my god, is he going to think that I'm some, like, having hormonal cravings like a pregnant woman? Oh my god, he's never going to talk to me ever again. I yeah, like, and, bitch, and what you doing? Bitch, the, what you doing? Like, the, the, I don't understand yeah, that. Like, right away, she is second guessing everything, and second, like, why did I do it? Why did I do it? And then he sends back a little, "Huh, you're funny." And one, my immediate thought was like, "Why is that funny?" Like, it's just a thing. Oh yeah, she he said. calls her funny all the time, but she doesn't say anything funny. Right, and then we get his point of view, and that popping up, and all of her fears are confirmed. When we're inside his head, mm -hmm. he does not know why she said that. He does not understand it. Um, and he just says, how you're funny, because he doesn't know how else to react. Like, if someone messaged me and was like, I was craving tater tots today, my response is, me too, every goddamn day of my life. Yeah. Because I'm a human being. So here is where Ugh. I'm going to let everyone in on a thing. I think Ugh. I mentioned this before. My brother is in the military. He did serve on Fort Hood. I've mm -hmm. been to Fort Hood. I've been to Colleen. I've been there several times, actually. Um, so this kind of got into accuracy stuff, and I was very excited. So I had my brother read the first two chapters of this book and send me notes on its accuracy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go over all of them. A lot of them are pretty uh, pretty cut and dry, And but this one is one of my favorite things. It's, in fact, a uh, soldier's number one thing to talk about is food. <laughs> point any one of them will be talking about food either about the things they are craving or the things they are forced to eat or how much they want a thing or how much they are having a thing this is the main point of conversation <laughs> opening a line with something like i was craving tater tots all day would be hello how are you <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, God. So what's interesting, too, is um, this writer went to West Point, and I'm assuming that she did join the military police. Yes. If not at Fort Hood, somewhere else. Yes. I think, so, no, it is it is very clear she was at Fort Hood. There, and I can say this because of the way she talks about the things that I know about Fort Hood. Mm, okay. Okay. So I do appreciate that. But then also there's just, like, too much too much of this information too much what i found funny so she like goes on to explain everyone's rank and what that means but then she doesn't distinguish between commissioned and non-commissioned officers she doesn't tell us what that means at all <laughs> I, I had to look it up and i still don't really understand it it's not important like all we care about is in the military what our main character's rank is relative to the people around them 
so that we know what the power dynamic is. That's all we care about. We just need to, if somebody's yelling at them, we just need to know that they are of a higher rank to the, than them and they just have to put up with it. And like what that means for that character. That's all we care about. Um, and then, but then it would explain things in a way that was really bizarre. Like there was one point where they were doing drill exercises, but because of her rank, like Thane was calling drill exercises but Chloe knew that because of her rank, she wasn't she wasn't part of that. She didn't need to be. But it was like, oh, she knew that when this happened, that this didn't mean her because this and this. I'm like, you can just say, like, they watched the recruits do their thing and she's glad that she didn't have to do it anymore. And we know exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. And then there was so much military bathtubbing. So much. So much. So much. So it's crazy because most of the time it's like we don't get nearly enough information about this person's life, this profession, this space, anything. And now it's just too damn much. It's it's the accuracy level. And my brother even said there was because uh, I had to explain to him what bathtubbing meant for us. Uh-huh. And. Uh, he was like, oh, you're going to fucking hate this book. Because <laughs> as he was reading it, a person who's been through a lot of this thought it was too much and didn't need it. And and, and didn't help or help us under- him understand these characters or where they were at. One of the things that really tells you how it was too much, though, is that whenever two characters were in a space together and had to tell us, the reader, what was happening and why, military speaking, one of them would tell the other one, and then the other one would go, yeah, I know. That happened so often in this book. It was... It was so fucking funny. And and it happens so often. And unfortunately, Chloe was usually on the receiving end of that because we had to Mm -hmm. infantilize her. And it was unfortunately insane. I I, I feel bad because I skipped right to uh, You've Got Mail, so you kind of know what the beats of this book are if you've seen that movie. But let me very quickly, two things that are different and important is Mm -hmm. that uh, I almost called him Zanko. (laughs) (laughs) So. Thane Carter feels like they cannot date when because they meet in real person in real person they meet in real life right away. Can I? I just like to read a really quick passage that when yes, he please. sees her, his description of her. Yes, please. Her hair was long but not too long, brown but not very dark, almost blonde in the sunlight. She was tallish. <laughs> so my comment was: So is she an amorphous blob? <laughs> What is happening? It was very hard to tell what she looked like. Also, I will say at one point, and this was something that I did really like, like, we're in Carter's head, Thane Carter's head, and it's like, some guys are boob men, some guys are ass men. Don't get me wrong, those are great, but the thing that he found most attractive about Chloe was her smile. Her smile was happiness, and who would want to say no to happiness? And, like, that's sort of a, a recurring thing. And that, I think, is beautiful and really sweet yep. and really touching. And For a man this, that makes a woman cry that much. Right. At this point, too, <laughs> because he goes out of his way to call out toxic masculinity in that he felt that because of, like, masculine culture, military culture, that he couldn't get close with other men as friends because, like... 
the the expectation was that they just sort of like, oh, did you just get back? Oh, yeah. Oh, you on deployment? Oh, I go in a few weeks. Oh, okay, cool. See you around. And like, that was it. And like, he laments that he doesn't have more close friends because of this barrier set up by toxic masculinity. And it's like, okay, that happens. And then he's, he, he's in love with her happiness. I'm like, great. I'm, I'm on board. I'm excited. And then almost immediately, it's just like, oh, well, like he's, he's garbage. He's absolute garbage. And he is one of the most sexist chauvinist people that we've read. Yeah, he is. One of the things that completely undermines that argument that he makes about this is all that men talk about is that all the men around him are talking to each other and enjoying each other's company. Mm -hmm. But they're all from West Point. (laughs) They're They're all all from West Point. He also makes a comment, too. He's like, it's like they all know each other. Oh, I guess they do all know each other. Yeah, they went to school together, dipshit. What the fuck? But he has this thing against people from West Point because he thinks they're, like, up their own asses. And that's probably true of certain people in the military. But, But it becomes part of his issue with chloe in a way that's so bizarre like he just decides to hate her because she's from west point but it's also because he can't have her because he falls in love with her and then he finds out that they're in the same platoon or whatever and then he realizes that he can't have her so he decides to like just pitch a fit about it for 200 pages yeah yeah so sorry i just so when we start off this book Mm -hmm. chloe and thane are having uh, conversations over the internet with each other and they don't know who each other are. Uh, they both encourage each other to go to a party and and and, and have fun and turns out it's the same party! Oh, oh my, my gosh. god! At this point too I was excited. I'm like I kind of like this premise because not right. only are they strangers that are secretly in love with each other but they're they're stuck. They're stuck yeah. together. Like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks were not stuck together, other than the fact that they were like in the same professional Industry, field. Yeah, yeah. But like they're they're stuck together, and then we find out like, oh yeah, they they're colleagues. They share an office. Like there's, I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes. It goes down. It goes downhill to the shitar. So the two of them see each other at this party and are immediately hot for each other and spend mm-hmm. a lot of time talking. He deduces through clues that she is, in fact, a part of his platoon and will be working with him. And he doesn't want to ruin her career by talking to her too much because then it could look like fraternization. And he knows that she'll get the worst deal for that because she's a woman. Right. At which point he... uh, he stops talking to her or being friendly at all and in fact says some really unfriendly things to somebody else about how she's ugly and she overhears that and is Mm -hmm. heartbroken and so when they find out so when she shows up at work the next that next monday and realizes he's her boss she is fucking pissed and hates him Mm -hmm. for good reason Mm -hmm. and he hates her now because she's bossy even though she's an officer and that's supposed to be her job, so what's yeah. your fucking problem? Um, can I read a little excerpt from that uh, interaction at the pool party? Because the, the the party was a, a like the apartment complex was having a barbecue at the pool, which sounded like fun. Um, so he, some other guy approaches Thane as he's on his way out and is like, "Oh, did you you, you were talking to so and so or whatever." 
And, it's, and Thane says, she's not a friend, and she's definitely not my lady. You didn't see her face. If you had, you'd fully appreciate why I'm making an escape with you. And then later... Do you see any other single women around here? I had to take what I could get. Trust me, I can't take any more, so do me a favor and let me walk out in front of you. Don't even look toward her. If she turns around, I don't want her to see anything except your back hiding mine. I appreciate the cover. Okay. Let's let's look at this. So I understand that for the narrative, it ne- he needs to say something without her hearing it to give her reason to not be attracted to him anymore. I completely understand that. But like we it also has to be something that he can bounce back from so that we the readers don't think he's an absolute pile of shit. So for him to be like I don't even want her to see me leaving, stand in front of me so I can hide behind you is a super shitty thing to say and then and then the guy he's talking to doesn't react to that. It's as if I were to say to you, hey, Claire, yeah, I was hanging out with this guy. He was such a fucking uggo. Oh, my God. I almost lit the building on fire just so I could get away from him because he was such a fucking uggo. Like, how would you respond to that if I said that to you? that's not very nice. Right. And it would seem out of character for me, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This guy is just like, oh, yeah, that's the type of thing that Thane Carter says. And yep. doesn't react to it. He thinks it's normal that Thing Carter says these things, but we're expected that she's going to fall in love with him and we want them to be together. Like, that is not okay. Like, you, you have to think it through. You have to, like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's a very, like, direct thing for him to say to, to make her hate him as much as we need her to hate him. But we have to be able to come back from that. How how can he come back from that when everyone around him thinks that that's normal behavior for him? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So at this point, I want to go into my brother's notes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. He's I brought keep interrupting. up. He's brought up some very important things. Um, one thing, and it is the entire premise of this book. Yes. There is nothing that restricts you from dating another officer in your unit. (gasps) (laughs) So long as there's no supervisory or major rank disparities, and there may be some here, the the dude is serving as the temporary company executive officer, but is second in command. And, you know, she's a PL. So there are some implied authority problems here. But most people would look the other way, so long as it was consensual, as there's no actual supervisory roles being played. It's not a great look, as it would cause some gossip. That that is it. There it, there would be no like there's they would not. And then Nate, my brother goes on to say this: there are actually a lot of lady MPs compared to most branches. Until recently, military police was the one job a woman could do that was direct combat related. About three years ago, they were not allowed in the infantry, armor, or cavalry, etc. So those who wanted to be hardcore door knockers would go to military police. So this being Fort Hood and the largest uh, military base in the United States, would, in fact, have a lot of female military police 
who were serving there. And not only that, there would probably be other military lady LTs who were also doing this. And my brother's third point was that um, lieutenants love to talk about how they are lieutenants. And now picture yourself as somebody who just recently graduated from a university and has started your first job. Mm-hmm. How fucking proud were you of your graduation status? Oh my god, I talked about fucking stupid college stories all the goddamn time. All the time. That is exactly what one of these lieutenants are. What a commissioned officer is, is basically somebody who has just graduated from college and was zoomed into being an officer. So if you volunteered when you were 18 and haven't gone to college yet, and then you just stayed and you created a military career out of this instead of saying only four years before going on to college yourself, you are a non-commissioned officer. And if you've actually made it up to being an officer, because for the most part, a lot of those guys leave after they've done their tours. So here you are, as my brother likes to say, somebody who's been in the military 12 plus years has made this their life. And here comes a 24 year old who just graduated college, thinks they're the shit and was made an officer is making more money than you and is your supervisor. And all they can talk about is how proud they are to be lieutenants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, one, they would have told each other that they were lieutenants right away at that pool party because that's all they have to fucking talk about. Two, Mm -hmm. they would have talked about their movements and deployments right away because, again, that's all you have to fucking talk about. Mm -hmm. Three, they would have known right away that they were in each other's things. Four, there would have been other women at that pool party. Five, (laughs) um... Uh, they would have, everybody around would have been like, yeah, they're probably knocking boots. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> Except as part of the uh, grist for the gossip mill, like, which is super fun. And in this book does say, yeah, people talk, but also talk maybe doesn't matter as much as long as everybody's on board. The last thing my brother wanted to say is that every motherfucking lieutenant is on Tinder. <laughs> If there are apps, Bumble, Twitter, Tinder, whatever, for fucking each other, lieutenants be on it. (laughs) (laughs) And they are fucking each other because they are at the the prime of their lives. They've got money for the first time ever. And they um, look good and have to do exercises every morning. And they think they're smart as shit. So they are going to do it with all the other people. Um, so my brother was like, this book doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy for that insight. (laughs) So those were all important things. But before we leave, because I think we should kind of just put this book to bed, we we need to talk about the most important moment that makes, um, that makes Thane Carter one of the trashest people we've ever read. And that is The Night of the Ballet. So, just like in Who's Got Mail, or You've Got Mail, sorry, Who's Got Mail. Whose line got mail anyway? (laughs) So, just like You've Got Mail, um, they decide to meet each other in in person. Mm -hmm. And um, just like in You've Got Mail, she's already there waiting. He shows up 
and he's like, fuck, it's this person I don't like. How am I going to deal with this? And he makes the shitty decision of deciding to just go in and heckle her mm-hmm. and make her feel bad that her date has stood her up. <laughs> that happens in You've Got Mail. Our lovely, wonderful Tom Hanks goes in and makes Meg Ryan feel like fucking shit for 10 minutes in that movie. But we don't recognize it because it's these two people who are American treasures. Um, (laughs) The other important thing is when it happens in the movie, they made a very important choice that this was not a cafe that was well populated. Nobody else was there. It was just Meg Ryan, the guy who was serving coffee, and eventually Tom Hanks. This was upsetting and sad, but it wasn't in public. In this book, where they decide to meet is at is in Austin, Texas, which is an hour away from Colleen. Mm-hmm. And they go to see the Nutcracker. He shows up and sees this woman he doesn't like getting into her seat and it's the seat that he knows ballerina baby was going to be sitting in and fucking freaks the fuck out and accuses her of catfishing him yes he's like oh it's all a trick because i know that she's not this kind of person she's a bossy bitch man his masculinity is so fucking fragile he's constantly threatened by her competence Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, for his for his first thought to be like, oh, she's tricking me. It's not about you, bro. Fuck off. And then he can't stop watching her. And here's the thing. She is in public. Mm-hmm. It is a full house. Mm-hmm. And he watches her wait for this other person who never shows up. He watches it happen. Through and the whole she first act. has to pretend she's not crying in public. And then, and she got pretty for this. She got mm-hmm. super pretty. Also, sorry, um, really fast. Before they go to meet, he makes a, he, like, his, uh, the officer that reports to him, whomever, I forget what rank they are, um, figures out that he's going on a date, and, and Thane says, oh, yeah, if this goes well, I'll probably be getting her an engagement ring for Christmas. And this is like the beginning of December. This is the very beginning of Nutcracker season. He shows up, he sees her and that she like did her hair. And he's like, ah, she, uh, I bet she fucking paid money for that. She went overboard. This is like a casual meeting. That bitch always goes overboard. It's like, fucking asshole. You were just talking about buying her an engagement ring. And now you're saying that she put too much effort into this because she did her hair. Fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. I can I cannot. He's such fucking garbage. Fucking garbage. So Ugh. he goes out into the lobby to get drunk. Mm-hmm. And at intermission, she comes out and decides. And so he watches her as she's like, oh, my God, what if it's another seat? That's what, what if, it probably is. What if it's an orchestra? It's a different row. I have to. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. she happily, hope on her face, runs downstairs and starts looking. And she has to approach another human being. And we see in her mind where she's like, you know what, if he's old, if he's weird looking, it's fine. I'm just, I just need to know this other person who I've had this deep connection with. Yeah. And, and she says like, I, if it doesn't work out romantically, 
that's fine. This person will still be my friend, and like, I and I treasure that friendship, and I know that it will still be important to me. Yeah. So, wh- like, whatever. Whereas he's like, hey, she did her hair. What a fucking bitch. Like, yeah. And he watches <sighs> her go down and approach an old man, mm-hmm. and like, hopefully ask. And sees her ask if he's drummer, and the old man looks at her weird, and she's like, oh, sorry, sorry. And so then she goes into the, the, the show starts again. She goes into the lobby to wait, because maybe he's late, because Colleen has famously horrific traffic. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so and they like, didn't share phone numbers, so they don't right. really have a way to get in touch with each other, other and than also, through the app. Right, but, and so she's, so she's sitting down waiting for him, because she doesn't want him to show up and her not be there. And now, this is when Thane decides, I'm going to fucking fuck with her and he sits down with her and is like what were you stood up or something and just like needles her and she works so hard to be a strong person in front of somebody who has actually made her daily life hell and we've seen him do it and we've seen him do it on purpose constantly and she is trying so hard to be cool and my heart was just breaking because I knew the end of this story because I've seen you've got mail and I know the like emotional manipulations that Thane is about to do because I know what Tom Hanks did and emotionally manipulated this woman and I know what's going to happen and I hate it so much and my heart was breaking for Chloe Michaels who has worked so hard uh, very few women graduate from West Point be, like people go to West Point all the time and they you know they burn out it is not for them they don't enjoy it but women especially have a hard time graduating from any military institution much less West Point she made it through that she made it through military police stuff she is now an officer working very hard to retain like to retain her sanity working at this and this one guy will not stop needling her and now he's making fun of her because she was hopeful about something and because she deigned to try to look pretty and i i was and and i know he's going to emotionally manipulate her back into liking him which does happen and then when he tells her what happened she's going to still accept it and love him and my heart broke for her mm-hmm. and then i also knew again i have to underline austin is an hour away from colleen which means she had to get in her car and drive an hour back to her apartment alone and in the dark and it was just fucking heartbreaking it was horrible. I, like, and that's her favorite I ballet cried. too that's i her- cried reading that section yeah, that's her Ugh. favorite ballet, and he ruined it for her. He did, and he like kept talking about how bullshit the whole ballet was, and she was just... Even though it, when he was watching it, the moment he did, he was like, oh, I get why she likes this. This is neat. <laughs> uh, there was a point, too, where he... I, th- I can't remember. No, it was after the fact. He was sort of reflecting on the evening, and he was thinking about when she went down into the orchestra to ask... Um, the the random guy if he happened to be different drummer and 
it, him still thinking that she was catfishing him, he was like, oh, I bet she was so fucking pissed that she didn't get to, like, you know, ruin this guy's life. Nah, I saw how how sad she was. Those sentences were right next to each other. And it's like, are, are, are you psychotic? What is happening? Do you not understand what is happening inside of your brain that you saw a woman be sad because of a thing that you did and you still think your knee-jerk reaction is still to think that she's going to be pissed off because she didn't get to trick you and ruin your life? What is wrong with you? I, uh, uh. And so here's the major difference between... Uh, You've Got Mail, and Lieutenant's Online Love. Tom Hanks goes through the same thing. He's going back and forth in front of that cafe, thinking, like, it's bullshit, it's bullshit, this lady's trying to hurt him somehow. And then he stops, and he's like, no, that's not what happened. Me and this lady had a connection, and it turns out that we're rivals, and that sucks, but I still do like her because I came to like this person who's online, but she has no reason to ever like me because of how we're rivals. If I go in there and just say who I am, she will know she will hate me, but not only that, she'll hate that person that became her friend online too. She's going to hate us both. So unfortunately I can't be anyone but myself. So I'm going to go in there and be the person she expects me to be. And I'm going to annoy the fuck out of her, but that's just because who I am. And she's going to hate me already. And then I'm going to try to be her friend. And that's what he does. And here, he hates her. He literally hates her. Right up until the moment he decides, maybe she's not catfishing him was crazy because he was talking about how much he hated her for this entire book after the ballet incident and then literally the next chapter he's like well i gotta win her over and i'm like why like and then the 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 moment where he was figuring that out happens like two chapters after that, I thought I had skipped an entire chapter As where he I. realized that I he was actually was, in love with her. I thought her. it was accidentally out of the book. I thought for yeah, some reason, was, like, the Kindle had fucked like, up. What, did I, what? And then it gets to this part, and I forget what his reasoning is. It was probably really stupid, but he's just like, oh, no, this is why I love her. And it's like, okay, we'll put that before he decides to start making her fall in love with her. Like, <sighs> anyway. Anyway, they end up together. Yay! It's so sweet and beautiful. And I'm sure he spent the rest of his life uh, emotionally and mentally abusing her. It's true. Before we say goodbye forever, I just wanted to say that they very specifically say Fort Hood is a dry heat. It is not. (laughs) I've been there. It is exceptionally humid. It is not desert. It is not desert. This is the plains. And it is... So fucking moist in the air. Mm-hmm. It's like wearing sweaters. There's a point, too, where they're at the pool party and she kicks off her flip-flops and she's walking around on the concrete. I'm like, no, too she hot. doesn't have skin on the bottom of her feet anymore. Too hot. It hurts. Also, there's a point where she 
he, because also their apartments are across, like they're in different buildings, but they're like across the parking lot from each other, and they're basically their balconies face each other. And he sees what apartment she's in, and he's like, oh, what a goddamn rookie mistake that in the summer all that sunlight's gonna. This is her first apartment. She's barely an adult. She doesn't know. Also, you don't know which apartments were available. You don't know what her options were, but like, she's barely an adult. She is a new adult person and just picked her first apartment. Obviously, she's going to make mistakes. These are things that you learn as a person. But he he doesn't allow her anything, absolutely anything, other than to be a bitch who's trying to ruin his life. Yep. Uh, All right. That was that book. That was we're that done. Book. Please. I'm sorry. I just, I can't. I can't. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's play Fuck Mary, 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 Mary, Kill. Mary, Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Fuck Mary, Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much death. I've yeah. seen so much death. And <laughs> my happiest dreams about some of these books. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll go first. Okay, it's very great. silly. Okay, great. All right. Fuck, Mary kill. Uh-huh. Joe versus the volcano. Uh huh. Sleepless in Seattle, okay. and you've got mail. <laughs> okay, I've only seen one of those movies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, uh, I, what's Joe versus the volcano about? There's a volcano, I assume. Look, it is too crazy to tell you the entire plot line. It is in fact nuts. All you need to know is that um, a, a normal everyday guy gets advice from his doctor that he needs to live his life. He ends up being swept up in this crazy thing and at some point a tribe of people is going to throw him into a volcano. But along the way he's met this lovely woman who's played by Meg Ryan and she agrees to jump into the volcano with him because she cannot now be without him. And the funniest part is the beautiful, like, uh, movie poster is actually a spoiler for exactly the ending. They're fine. They're saved. They're at the... <laughs> okay, great. I'll marry that. Sure, why not? Uh, but I... it was written by uh, playwright John Patrick Shanley. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll just marry that. I I tend to really enjoy movies where someone has some sort of realization that they need to just like go out and live their life and then they go and do that um i enjoy this film so i'll marry that i'll fuck you've got mail i guess mostly because of the her friends that work in the bookshop with her they're fun they're great also uh greg kinnear shows up yeah christine's like oh yeah that's right i he's okay yeah and then i guess i'll kill sleepless in seattle just because i don't know anything about it. Is, that's the one at the top of the Space Needle? Yeah. No, oh no, it's a, it's at the top of the Empire State Building. But they're in Seattle. Oh, I don't no, know. No, no, no. That's good. It's cross country things. Cross country things. See, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> so I'm going to kill it. What about you, Claire? Um, I think um, I am going to kill Joe versus the Volcano. If only it is a crazy ass movie. Like the stuff that happens in it, like it, it almost makes no sense beat to beat. You're like, wait, what? The funniest part is though, for some reason they decided Meg Ryan should play every important woman character in that movie. 
Okay. So, so every important plot point that has to do with a lady, Meg Ryan actually plays that lady. <laughs> but in like different wigs and yeah. Do they and age voices. her up and down? And no, this oh, just, okay. it's very weird. Okay. <laughs> it's hilarious. Sure. But I'm gonna kill it. Um, okay. I am going to marry Sleepless in Seattle. It is. It's. It's insane. It's an insane premise. But the music in it is lovely. Um, the two of them, I think, do a really admirable job of acting to make you really, really feel so much for them. Hmm. And it's got like. Um, and it's got this lovely opening moment where Tom Hanks's character is talking on the radio. And honestly, it's gorgeous. Like, it's very affecting. It draws you in. You know exactly why Meg's, Meg Ryan's character is instantly drawn in and wants to meet this guy. Honestly, you get it. And it's kind of lovely. Um, and so I'm going to fuck You've Got Mail. Uh, you know, I have a lot of deep problems with this movie. It doesn't actually work in on a lot of levels. But one of the... It is a time capsule. It is a very specific and interesting time capsule. Because it's it's the AOL you got mail thing. There's chat rooms is how they met. Um, it is the only time where the we've got no pictures thing actually works. Because the internet's full of pictures now. And also, it's about bookstores... And Meg Ryan's tiny ass bookstore is eaten up by Tom Hanks's like big box store. And the funniest part is, in only a couple of years, that's going to be eaten up by Amazon. So even Tom Hanks is like his own thing is on the way out. And it's <laughs> it's kind of lovely in that way. The movie itself is quirky and there's so many quirky parts about it that makes it dumb. But they had to throw in the quirky parts because uh, there's so many horrific parts as mm -hmm. far as the relationship goes. And if yeah. they didn't throw in the quirky, you would see it. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I'll fuck it. Yeah, Sounds good. Sure. I haven't seen that movie in so long, but certain moments are so clear in my mind. Like the part where he brings her daisies when she's sick. Yeah. And then the part where she's closing the store and we see her dancing with her mom. They're twirling. Oh, oh that gets I mean, me every time. Every Yeah. And then also the scene where she's in the big box store and somebody's looking for the ballerina slipper books and the, the employee's like, I have no fucking idea. And then Meg Ryan's like crying and she's like, it's these books. They're very good. Anyway. Maybe that's why she was ballerina. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. That makes me actually a little bit more upset in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Fair. Neil. Claire. Fuck, Mary kill. A poolside barbecue, a night at the ballet, and a helicopter ride. Ooh! Not a military helicopter ride. Just a we nice one. We, just like a nice over the city kind of thing. I'm going to do the Trump version of that. I hate Trump. I'm going to throw that out there. But his helicopters are hella nice and they're champagne and they're quiet and fun and you get to see all the city. So that's how fine ass this helicopter ride is, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, ooh, hmm, I, okay, I'm gonna fuck pool party barbecue, because <laughs> I miss those. I would mm -hmm. love to go to a pool party barbecue right now, and just full of people in that cesspool water, but we're all, <laughs> like, clean and vaccinated. That sounds great. I miss people so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... 
enjoy the ballet, mm -hmm. but I enjoy the ballet on PBS when I can like <laughs> pause it and come back to a moment I care about. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, oh my God, it's beautiful. But then it's like, ah, it's the same beautiful thing just with new costumes. <laughs> and it's not really my jam. And then like sometimes they throw it, like it's, it's fine. I, I love it. It's beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. I respect the hell out of it, but I'm going to kill it just because it's fine. <laughs> Fair. But I, so I think the helicopter ride, I'm going to marry the helicopter ride. I've always wanted to do one of those really cool posh helicopter rides where you zoom in and around the buildings and you've got your champagne and you can like look at all the things. That sounds great. I've, I've always <laughs> wanted to do one. I'm on board. Great, great, great. Um, I think I'm going to kill the helicopter rides, not because they don't sound nice, but like, and I, and I, like, if I had the opportunity, I probably would, but I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything by not doing it, really. So I'm going to kill the helicopter ride. Um, I think, uh, I think I'm going to fuck the poolside barbecue. I love them. Backyard barbecues, fucking love them. I don't think I could marry a poolside barbecue because, as everyone knows, I need more sunscreen than there is in the world <laughs> to survive that my entire life. So I think just for the sake of my skin, I'm just going to have to fuck it. And it's going to be nice. It's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy that, f that food. We didn't even talk about the hot dog thing. We it's fine. Oh God. There's um, a whole hot dog thing. It's dumb as fuck. It's dumb as hell. Also, uh, it, okay. I just want to bring up. It's her way of flirting with people after we've seen her second guess herself about talking about food. Like it's the same chapter, and she's like, "Oh yeah, how you get your how you have your hot dog shows like your relationship status. If a guy just puts mustard, that means he's ready to settle down. And if he puts relish, that means he's just out here to have fun." And be like, "Oh, what about you? How do you like your hot dog?" She's like, "I like my hot dog naked." And one, gross to not put anything on a hot dog. You're a monster. <laughs> Two, you're obviously flirting with food when we just saw you as a skirt to talk about food. Anyway. Yep. All this to say, I think I'm going to marry a night at the ballet because yes, I do enjoy the ballet. It isn't always the most engaging for me, but the whole night of it, like you go to dinner beforehand, you go to the ballet, you get drinks after, like the whole evening is just very nice. For me, like I love, I love everything that surrounds like a cultural night out because it's, you know, it's a night of the ballet. You've already spent a fair amount of money. So you're like, I deserve like a nice dinner and we're going to go to like the nice cocktail bar for one cocktail after. And then we want to keep drinking, but we've run out of money. So we're going to be in our nice ballet clothes and just go to the like divey bar down the street and drink too much whiskey. That sounds like such a good evening to me. It sounds delightful. So that's what I want to do. Um, Claire, all yeah. of the characters. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to fuck? Who are you going to marry? And who are you going to kill? All right. Well, I'm going to marry Chloe because I want... 
such nice things for her and i feel mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, i mm-hmm, could mm-hmm. help her with those things like mm-hmm. um i'm great i'm a lovely human being i will let chloe talk like talk about food as much as she wants to like um also there's a moment where she's eating frozen grapes i love frozen grapes i'm on board with that yes you and me let's do it all the day so yeah i'm going frozen to- grapes and tater tots Let's do it. Um, so I'm going to marry her. Um, okay. We didn't talk about any of the um, non-commissioned officers who work underneath, under uh, Thane and Chloe, but they're all, you know, late 20s, early 30s gentlemen who have wives and, like, are seem, <laughs> seem to bumble about like our fathers or something, even yeah. though they're in charge of it. Um, I'm on board. Like, they were, like, super nice and very Especially pleasant. Especially Chloe's. The oh, guy who reported Chloe's to Chloe. Was, yeah. I'm gonna fuck them. reward them with my body, I guess. You know, <laughs> you're a decent person. Yes, you do get to have sex with me. So, you are not a trash human being, and you enjoy donuts. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> all good reasons. All good reasons. And I don't know. Like, um, I'm going to kill uh, all the other men that we've met. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Thane, Zanko, Sean, all of them. Just pff, bye. <laughs> bye. Great. Okay. I'm I'm gonna kill Thane just because he is garbage. And the fact like it just it makes me so angry and confused that's that that he does such horrible things and yet we are expected to want him to end up with Chloe. Yeah. I cannot deal with it. Um, the uh, the reporting officer that reports to Chloe that, that we mentioned earlier, I'm going to marry him. He seemed really great. Chloe also seems great. I also feel like she shouldn't be tied down right now. She needs to go figure some stuff out that I honestly don't have the patience for. Fair. So I want her to just like go out there and like do some adulting, figure some stuff out, make some mistakes. I'll I'll be a good friend of hers and support her all along the way, but I I don't don't want to be married to her. Um and then uh I'm going to fuck Noble and his secret boyfriend Max, who's the <laughs> tech guy. I'm just going to fuck both of them because they they were really sweet to each other. There were times when Noble would sneak kissing Max on the top of the head when he thought that nobody was looking. As opposed to, like, Zenko and Sean just, like, scream at each other and then fuck. <laughs> so we see that Noble has, like, a softer side to him. And I appreciate that. So I'm gonna fuck him and Max together. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the books? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill both of them. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. I'm killing him. Like... Yeah, the, uh, you know why, listeners. We just screamed about it for, what, an hour and a half? So you know why. Uh. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Nope. 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 <sighs> okay. All right. So, are we ready for our favorite game? Are we? Are we? I think we are. Christine Guess! Christine Guess! <laughs> Okay, I'm very proud of myself. I'm fairly certain you will not be able to to guess the theme from the title. Watch this. This is the one I'm going to (laughs) do. This is the one you're going to do. Okay, so 
The books we're reading next time are The Stowaway Debutante, Tales of the Captain Duke, Book One by Rebecca Diem, and Prosperity by Alexis Hall. Okay. I'm going to say, is it um, uh, 18th century sex, work- sex workers? <sighs> no, but I'm putting that in my back pocket. <laughs> um, stowaway. Oh, because now I'm just like... I mean, it's like, there's a captain, and I, I do feel like... A, we're not back to pirates. No. I, he, and we're then not, I was thinking, okay. too, the transatlantic travel. Like, we've done that. But oh, is it Titanic? Is it romances on the Titanic? Uh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> no. Uh... Stowaway. Like, I'm, I'm so intrigued by the stowaway angle. What's the second one again? The second one is Prosperity by Alexis Hall. That was uh, the one that made me think it was Titanic. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. <gasps> is it uh, people emigrating to the United States? No. Is. Mm, is it French sculptors? <laughs> no. But okay. I'll put that in my back. <laughs> okay. Okay, wait. Is it Titanic in space? <laughs> no. That is but. definitely not where you want to find a stowaway on your station. <laughs> uh, do you give up or do you have any more I guesses? do. I, I do give, give up. up. It is. Steampunk. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So the stowaway, uh, stowaway debutante tales of the Captain Duke book one is on an airship, and then prosperity takes place in a floating city. Oh my god! This is fantastic. I'm. Oh my god! So excited! I feel. After after these two books, I was like, I need something that even if I don't like the books, I do really enjoy the genre. So steampunk. Oh yeah, fantasy. Like, are they like futuristic or just alternate world? It's alternate, so it's like alternate okay. Victorian <gasps> history. So exciting! Wow. Yes. So exciting! I'm. I'm that sounds great. I'm so excited. <laughs> <sighs> so I guess uh, that's all we have for today. So thank you, Claire. Well, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank, thank you so you. much, Christine. Aww. Thank you, listeners. Thank you very much, listeners. Please be sure to tell um, your friends and lovers if you like us. Please help us spread the word so that we can, you know, flourish and grow and scream into everyone's ears indeed indeed um and thank you authors <laughs> thank you authors 
we recognize we di maybe didn't like these books, and there's other books out there we haven't liked. Um, uh, but we do appreciate that you have put yourself out there, that you have given us and everybody the opportunity to read your books. And honestly, one man's opinion, you know, who like other people are out there who love these books. Um, and so honestly, if you think you would like these books, read them. Pay the yeah. author money. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Throw money at them. They, they <laughs> like it. If, if nothing else, listeners, just throw money at authors. They just, need it. They deserve it. Yeah. Throw it. I yeah. <laughs> just wa wrap cash around a rock, find an author's <laughs> house, and just chuck it through the window. And don't yell, do that. Yeah, don't, do, don't that. do that. But also yell thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the book. I support your art. <laughs> but make sure that the money you give them is less than it costs to replace the window. <laughs> but just a little. Just a little. Gosh, okay. So I guess all we have to say is if you can do so safely. Um, consensually. And when you're not eating hot dogs with no condiments on them. Mm. 